Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Welcome, everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association, we are going to talk about market development. Economists are united in forecasting a dip in the residential construction market in 2023. While they're not in agreement on the severity or length of that dip, the consensus is that this year will feel much different than 2022 for most component manufacturers. While it may be nice to take the foot off the accelerator a bit and retool and retrain after the whirlwind of the last 18 months, this is also a time to prepare for an inevitable surge in housing. To that end, SBCA wants to come alongside CMs and help create new opportunities for their products. Joining us today to explore this topic is SBCA's Director of Market Development, Kat Anderson. Kat, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Sean. Thanks for having me. Well, Kat, I'm excited to have you here on the podcast. Let's start, uh, because you're new to SBCA staff, let's start by introducing you to our listeners. Can you share a little bit about your professional background and and what motivated you to join SBCA's team? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for having me. It's really great to be here. My background is centered in the architecture and engineering design side of the built environment. I worked for a couple different firms. One was a medium-sized firm focused on institutional and commercial work. And the other was a smaller architecture-only firm focused on residential, multifamily, and smaller, medium-sized commercial work. And I'm not an architect or engineer. I, I don't know how to design, but I do understand business communications and people. And that's really where I worked at both of these firms in various capacities, as far as recruiting and operations and strategic planning. I was kind of like a Swiss Army knife for these firms, which is is a necessity when you're working in this arena. But really what it came to and how I I came to SVCA is that learning about the industry, I started to notice patterns and some of the common issues. And then it was uh, COVID really exposed a lot of those issues and cracks that were already there. Uh, There's already a workforce labor shortage. There was already a productivity issue. There was already uh, communication problems between the various stakeholders within the, the project life cycle. And COVID really exacerbated these because we are looking at an industry that is working out of time. Uh, they're just not caught up to today and when a lot of companies are really looking towards tomorrow. And so my passion really grew from wanting to understand why these things are broken, how we can fix them, and where to start. Because everything is a problem, it seems, and it's all interconnected. Then I found uh, SVCA and the market development director position, and it really gave me the opportunity to tackle some of these bigger issues. That's awesome. So, Kat, I mean, from your perspective, what do you think are the biggest challenges architects and engineers face when it comes to plan development and, you know, accommodating things like RFIs from builders and component manufacturers? You mentioned this sort of broken 
communication and, and that kind of stuff. But what is leading to that? What is causing that breakdown from your perspective? That is a, a great question. And we're, we're clearly starting out easy. So <laughs> softballs all um, over the place. But it is, it is a question I think about a lot. And I think in a lot of ways, it is the question of what is it that really is the issue. And I, at the end of the day, I come to chaos theory. Um, for, because, you know, the, the definition of chaos theory, it's, it's a branch of mathematics and it deals with complex systems and whose behavior is highly sensitive to slight changes in conditions. So small alterations can give a rise to strikingly great positive or negative implications. And they're very hard to detect and it's constantly moving. So I think for me, chaos theory really sums up our collective industries as a whole. And when we're talking about plan development, you have the very first steps of really turning an idea into a, a building, a structure. And you have the owner's input, you have uh, ho hopefully the contractor's input, but not always, and the designer. And there's a, so many factors to deal with that that process is inherently extremely complex. And when you factor in a lot of the issues everyone is facing within our, our greater built environment, such as labor shortage and training and uh, wage increases and this rapid uh, adoption of technologies and then the inconsistencies between them, you really are just breeding an environment for mistakes to be made. And then you pair that with an extremely busy uh, high demands, high turnover, like schedule-driven environment, and with it with a group of people who are untrained, or undertrained, or improperly trained. You know, just trading itself is an issue. You get issues, and issues create RFIs, which are requests for inquiries, and they create change orders, which are when those requests for inquiries become additional costs and changes to the project, and that in itself is a really destructive sort of trigger because you have to go back into a cycle that's already not functioning. And that comes down to just the fragmented nature of our industry by not just all of the different stakeholders, but how those different stakeholders are structured. So architecture, for example, the vast majority of architects, and I don't know the current statistic, but you know, it's, it's over 70% of architects are 50 person or less firms. And the majority of those are actually 10 person or less firms, which means that you have one architect most likely and some designers. And it's, it's a, such a small firm that they probably don't get healthcare or they're paying a lot of money for their healthcare. Their benefits are probably not as aggressive. The pay is probably lower. I mean, just the, the difficulties that come with being a, a very small business. And then they're getting an influx of work and being asked to do it on different technologies. And it just, it's, it's, it's a breeding ground for making it really difficult for someone to grow the right way. And then we add in the pandemic, which really shook everything up for everyone. But a lot of those small proprietor architecture firms either sold to a larger firm, retired, um, closed down. There were some mergers that happened. There's a lot of acquisitions. I'm very curious to see AIA's uh, latest survey on the trends and data for architecture sizes. But it's 
very disproportionate because the majority of architects in the United States specifically are small businesses. And the majority of work is disproportionately divided amongst those. You know, Kat, given what you're you're saying about so the fracturing of of the architectural industry and I mean, really, the problems that you're naming are very similar problems to what component manufacturers are facing as far as from a workforce development and training perspective, from being a small business and, and trying to, to navigate the challenges of adopting new technology. Now, you're still pretty fresh to the component manufacturing industry, but you know, just based on what you've heard and what you've learned so far, you know, what do you think would be a good way for component manufacturers to start building closer relationships with these architectural firms in their market? I would say there are a lot of different avenues we could go down for this question, uh, which is great because, yeah, job security, right? But yeah, <laughs> for me, that answer comes down to education. How Architects, so? uh, if you talk to them, and I've talked to so many of them on LinkedIn, uh, in interviews, through work, through associations, they broadly feel undereducated in the practical applications of how a building is made. Um, they they typically want to be out in the field and see the frame being installed or the site being poured or where the door and the layout's going to go as they're standing in it. They they want training on um, what it means when they make changes in a project for the not just the end user, but the installers too. I mean, there there is a hunger there to understand how all of this works in a larger, more integrated level. Uh, and I, I think that's probably true for the construction and manufacturing and all of the other facets of industry. Uh, I, I see that as a millennial myself, and I see it in Gen Z aggressively, and I see it in this need for solutions because we're just tired of things being expensive and taking too long and, and sort of this dysfunction that's birthed. Um, and so I component manufacturers have a unique opportunity as this link in the value chain between the end results and the design, especially when it comes to the residential markets uh, and multifamily as well that they can be a, a bridge in some of those more practical lessons. Uh, we see component manufacturers either partnering with or even acquiring and taking on the installation aspects on jobs. Um, heard a lot of that in your podcast. And so that is an exceptional moment to have some cross-organizational training coming in and and bring these architects in and let them see the capabilities within a plant, break down those barriers of we can't customize it, every site's unique. Because those things are true, but we're also really smart as just a, a general rule when it comes to humanity. I mean, we've seen a lot of the, the worst side of it, but um, we're an incredibly intelligent species. And I think we have gotten to the point where we can accept the fact that we can do some incredible things in the building industry now. We just have to embrace it more. And that curiosity that's there and that desire to learn that exists just needs to be fed. And I think as component manufacturers being the in-between, because the manufacturing industry is arguably the most advanced industry when you put them together, because that's where it's come from in the past hundred years. And 
then you have the building industry, which is on the the opposite end of that spectrum. And component manufacturers are both. And so there's some elements to how this process works, depending on the development maturity of different component manufacturing companies, whether they're fully automated or they're in a hybrid capacity, um, where they can connect with architects and engineering designers who are also on their same development maturity level, where they're learning this new software and they're figuring it out, but they're not, you know, leveraging AI and data to do automated design algorithms. Because I, I do know companies that are working on some really incredibly advanced things, and those would be great companies to pair with fully automated uh, component manufacturers. So it's really just looking at where people are in this progression, because we've forced progression like a pressure cooker within the construction industry and how, as component manufacturers, we can really leverage being that missing link between. And that's, I think, what SPCA really stands for, too, which tried to do that with component manufacturers in general um, and now opening it up to this really wonderful trend that a lot of associations and organizations are working towards, which is truly integrated design. So, Ken, I love what you're saying here as far as... um you know, this desire to learn more, to collaborate more, to be more creative. And we have those tools and we have the capabilities to do that. And certainly then it makes sense that greater collaboration between the AC community and the component manufacturers makes a lot of sense. But at the end of the day, this is all about dollars, right? And, you know, when you think about your job security, this is all about market development. So Kat, I mean, given that, how do you think this collaboration between the component manufacturer and the architectural firms, the AAC firms, this outreach, how will it create more opportunities for CMs to sell more products and to really have more success in construction projects? Well, I think it's it's kind of a situation where there is an opportunity and a desire on both sides of the fence, if you will, and maybe just a lack of awareness. And I, I've seen it starting to grow but on a broader scale, there's just a lack of awareness of the potential benefits to a collaborative partnership between a component manufacturer and the architect. I went on a plant tour here in Tucson. I didn't realize that there was a portion that was designed by the component manufacturers after they received the plans from the architects. Which surprises me because when you think design, you think that's all going to the architects and the engineering designers involved in the project. And it was almost this level of detail that has to be done by the CM based off of the information that's provided by the architect. And that right there is, is I think, still being relatively new. That right there is my moment of curiosity where I'm like, well, I just, I wonder how much better that handoff would be if they worked together from the start, if it was sort of designed in tandem and how much easier that would make any RFIs or change orders that came down the pike and maybe we could move the dominoes without knocking everything over. Those are the questions that we really want to ping. And those questions are only answered when we seek understanding on both sides. And that comes in from education. And so I, I think the really the great opportunity we have that architects and engineering designers are hungry for, that's, that's there and, and right for employee manufacturers to jump in and, 
and work with SBCA to leverage, because I know that's something we want to work on, is providing education opportunities, both in digital, digestible opportunities like webinars and videos and content that's distributed, but also in person, you know, whether it's at a conference or with a plant tour, there's a lot of opportunities. And those are the things that we want to, to explore and those connections that we want to help facilitate. And in the end, Kat, uh, I mean, the, the goal, as you're stating it, is to get component manufacturers and the AAC community talking more regularly, talking earlier in the process, figuring each other out, being more comfortable with, with each other and how they both work, what their, what their needs are, and that kind of thing, right? Absolutely, because that strengthened relationship is a competitive advantage for both sides. When an yeah. architect goes to build for a client, they say, well, I've got a great relationship with my local component manufacturer and um, you know that the schedule is going to be maintained. You know that there's going to be a lot less issues because you have this communication relationship and this understanding and even a more unified language that you're speaking. Yeah. Kat, I'm so glad you've been on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SBCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com. Mm-hmm.